0: Welcome to Inspiration and Transformation from the Banks of the Ganga with Sadvi Bhagwati Saraswati. An American sannyasi living at the Parmarth Niketan Ashram in Rishikesh, India. SADVI is president of the Divine Shakti Foundation, a charitable organization bringing education, vocational training, upliftment and empowerment programs to women and children. SADVI is also secretary general of the Global Interfaith Wash Alliance and director of the world-famous International Yoga Festival. Join the musings of an American sannyasi as Sadhvi shares the wisdom and teachings of her Guru, His Holiness, Pujaswami Chiddanant Saraswatiji.
1: Welcome everyone to inspiration and transformation from the holy banks of the sacred Ganga River in the land of Rishikesh, India. Well, this is where it gets really beautiful. See, if my love is contingent upon me having holes or me having the misperception that there are holes, a misperception that most of us move through the world with, feeling not enough in some way, feeling less than in some way, feeling not good enough in some way, incomplete in some way. If I have those holes and I get into relationship with someone whose metaphoric pegs fill my metaphoric holes, it feels really good. Because suddenly I'm no longer aware of the holes. Right? If if one of my holes is Let's say from my family of origin or my childhood, I'm moving through the world with a, an experience of being stupid and worthless. Not good enough. That's a whole I feel, let's say. And then you come in and you and I get into relationship and you say to me, You are everything. You are the best. You are my moon and my stars and my sun. Well, that hole miraculously no longer feels like a hole. It feels very full. You have just filled my hole. And that feels very good. The dilemma is that in order for us to stay working very well together, your peg has to stay that shape it means you have to always be prepared, no matter what I do, to tell me that I am your sun and moon and stars, that I am the best, because anything you say or do that might imply otherwise is like now you're you know pulling a scar off. Not only am I, is my hole no longer fold filled, but that scar is being pulled off. So not only are you not able to have freedom, but I can't heal my whole. Let's see that in that relationship, we also get into a spiritual path. I start meditating. I embark on a spiritual path, and I no longer have a whole. Well, as my whole fills up automatically from the inside, I no longer need that from you. And if that was all that pulled us together, was I had a hole, you had a peg, felt fit, we were good, well, suddenly now I don't have a hole. Or I don't have that hole. Maybe I have a different hole now. Or a different hole that I wasn't aware of before. A deeper one, a more subtle one. And maybe you don't feel that. Maybe the other hole that I had was maybe I grew up not having enough money or opportunity and very, very, very jealous of maybe my second cousins, let's say, or some, some other family relations I saw on the holidays who seemed to have everything and I had nothing. And so I always also had this whole of feeling like I just didn't have enough. And maybe you are a impoverished musician or an impoverished yoga teacher and you don't quite make enough to give me something to fill the hole that says I've got to have what the other guy has. Well now we no longer fit again. We only fit when I'm living in the awareness of the moment of the hole that your peg fits. And that's a very tenuous relationship because it locks both of us into the drama that we were in the midst of when we met and fell in love. Neither of us can grow. Neither of us can change. Otherwise, we fall out of love. And this is what happens. And so the way to to do relationship in the reality of the self is to come at it from a place of fullness. Doesn't mean that you've worked through your ego fully. Doesn't mean that you don't have any issues or ignorances. Or We all have that. It's part of the game of being human, but that you're not in that relationship because someone fills your holes, that you don't actually need something from the other one in order to feel okay. And this is a really good litmus test. Does my inner peace, my inner joy, depend upon the other one's moods? Does my inner peace, my inner joy depend upon them doing something or not doing something, saying something, not saying something? It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be impacted. We're connected. So, of course, we're impacted. I mean, somebody spontaneously shows up at home with, you know, beautiful flowers or chocolate or whatever it is that you love and they know you love. We're all going to be touched. It's beautiful what spontaneous acts of giving are for. But if you don't show up with it, I'm not going to be miserable. I'm not going to feel less than. My sense of self is not going to plummet into worthlessness. because I didn't need you to give me those things in order to feel worthy. It was a beautiful surprise, touched my heart. Thank you. But my worthiness was not dependent upon that. My sense of value on planet Earth, not dependent on that. My sense of deserving to occupy my place here, not dependent on that. And so in relationships, Keep checking yourself. Are we subtly manipulating each other to act the way that I need you to act so I don't have to look at my stuff? Am I subtly manipulating you to act how I want so I don't have to actually deal with my ego or my pain or my false identity? Or the stuff I'm carrying in from childhood? And only you know the answer to that. But it's a good weekly, if not daily, litmus test. If you can develop that awareness in every conversation, just the same way that in meditation we keep drawing the awareness back to the breath. In relationship, just keep drawing your attention back to your intention. What's my intention here? Is my intention to get the other person to be a certain way, treat me a certain way? Or is my intention to show up with the fullness of who I am? And to sit in a beautiful place, space called love with the fullness of who the other one is. When you can do that, when you can come together, not needing to mold each other into a certain shape so that you also fit, but you being able to show up in your fullness, the other person being able to show up in their fullness, and being able to sit together in a fullness that is even greater than each of your fullnesses, right? Like we say, the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So you each come in as fullness of the self and sit together in that space of love in which the whole becomes greater than just the sum of the parts. And that's the the yoga of relationships. And hold that space for each other. Because again, remember, we're human. We're going to slip. But one of the greatest gifts of the path of relationship compared to, for example, the path of renunciation, is you've actually got someone with you. Maybe not 24-7, but most of the time, certainly end of the day, beginning of the day, in, in those raw, literally naked moments to hold space and say is this your truest self right here so use that and show up and have have a time together nightly weekly whatever it may be in which you relook at who the other
0: one is. You're listening to OTRFM, part of the IOM radio network. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience unlimited by time and distance. OM Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single
2: circle of hearts radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves join me grandmother elia in the circle on sunday 2 p.m eastern as i share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul
1: Hi,
0: this is Christina Ricci with RAIN. Every two minutes, another American is sexually assaulted. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted, you are not alone. Help is just a call or click away through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Please call 1 800 656 HOPE, that's H O P E, or visit RAIN.org, that's R A I N
1: N dot
3: O R G. Brought to you by Rain and this station.
1: Welcome back to Inspiration and Transformation. I'm so glad to have you all back here with me. What is the difference between enlightenment and happiness? Happiness is very, very small when you are... Thinking about enlightenment. It's like saying, What's the difference between color and orange? Or what's the difference between color and purple? Or color and red? So, Red or orange or purple is one type of color. One one aspect that comes of color. But it's certainly not the beginning and the end of color. Happiness is one aspect that comes with enlightenment. But enlightenment is much more than just happiness. Enlightenment is truth. Now, obviously living in the truth makes us happy. But it makes us more than than happy. When most of us think about happiness, we think of happiness on this very superficial level. Things go my way. I'm happy. Enlightenment takes us beneath that. Higher than that. Deeper and higher at the same time. It's no longer about happiness. It's about truth. Now, on the deepest level, the truth of our being is joy. But when most of us think of happiness, we think of just this temporary, like, got something I wanted, I became happy. Enjoyed pizza, I became happy. Had a nice evening, I became happy. Enlightenment is beyond that. Enlightenment is I'm no longer dictated by my happiness or my sadness. For most of us, when I'm happy, then I'm nice. Right? How many of us have family members or colleagues where you know, oh, uh, so-and-so's in a bad mood, don't go near, right? Let me know when they're happy, then you approach them, right? We, we walk on eggshells until they're happy. We measure and monitor and plan what to say, how to say, when to say it, based on them being happy. Because we know if they're happy, they'll say yes. If they're happy, they'll answer nicely. If they're happy, they'll give me what I want. If they're not happy, if they're angry, they won't. Now, this is for most of us how our lives are. Even if when we think about that, we think of another person, chances are someone thinks about us like that. Enlightenment is truth. It's not about, I'm in a good mood, therefore, sure, I'll help you. I'm in a good mood, sure, I'll be loving and nice to you. I'm in a good mood, sure, I'll be of service. I'm in a good mood, cello, let's practice gratitude. This is how most of us get it wrong. We think first I'll become happy, I'll get what I want. If you say to most people, what's the equation? How is it going to work? Most people think first comes I get what I want. Then I become happy. When I'm happy, then I do good things, become grateful, share with others. That's the order that most of us think this works in. But interestingly, we actually have it entirely backwards. The practice of gratitude is not something we do because we are happy. It is something we do that makes us happy. And I say this from a purely scientific standpoint. We actually have lots of studies showing that the simple act of practicing gratitude makes you happy. Similarly, service, giving. Most of us think when I have enough that I feel full and complete and happy and in abundance, then I will share. That day never comes. If that's what you're looking for, when I feel I have acquired enough, earned enough, have enough, then I will share, it will never come. As long as my sense of abundance, my sense of enoughness is coming from something outside, I could literally consume the world and I would be hungry. I could own the world And I would feel impoverished. Because that which is outside doesn't fill the holes which are inside. And so this is why, interestingly, the actual act of giving is an act that brings happiness. That act of service, even if I think I have nothing to give, Even if all I can begin with is giving a smile to everyone on the street. If all I can begin with is sharing a sip of the glass of water I have. The simple act of doing that, if all I've got is a seat on a bus and I practice giving it up to someone else so I stand and they sit. Because even if you think you have nothing, chances are you have something. Even if all it is is a seat on a bus. Or a glass of water. But if we practice giving, if we practice serving, if we practice gratitude, interestingly, through those practices, we develop an inner experience. Of fullness. In that experience of fullness, we develop happiness. In that experience of happiness, miraculously, we actually find that that which we want, whether to own or to achieve, to have, suddenly we're getting it. Now, it's not just about it's not about being a magnet that somehow if I'm happy all of the items in the department store are just going to be like magnetically attracted to me and are going to, you know, fly out the stores of the department store and, you know, find my house and come to me. It's not that. It's more subtle than that. As I become deeply rooted in an experience of fullness in an experience of joy in an experience of being in alignment with the universe what I realize is is I have what I need my needs my wants become much much smaller much simpler they become much more in alignment with who I am, with what I already have, which that which is deep and important rather than superficial. So when we talk about manifesting that which you want, it's not about, as a lot of us mistakenly misunderstand, it's not about, oh, I become enlightened, and then I open my eyes and there's this big mound of money in front of me. I become enlightened and I manifest becoming CEO of a company. It's I become enlightened and I realize that I'm already full. I become enlightened and I realize I am one with the universe. And so whatever I have, I have it in an experience of abundance and prosperity. I remember when I first came to India, one of the first things that hit me so deeply was the experience here of people who were impoverished. I mean, who I could look at and say, this person is poor. Like, they don't have shoes. They live in a shack. They've got seven people living in one room. Just objective lines of poverty. These people were below it. But there was no felt sense experience in their lives of being poor. In fact, if you ever so much as made the mistake to suggest that they were poor, they would say, no, 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 we're not poor. See, that guy, he's poor. And they'd point to somebody much worse off than they were. Whereas in the world that I came from, I knew people who had everything, but who moved through the world with such an experience of lack that their inner experience was one of lack, of emptiness, of poverty. So when we actually touch the light of enlightenment. It's no longer about what am I going to do to become happy. It's about living in the light. And yeah, of course, that makes me happy. Because suddenly there's nothing to steal my happiness. Suddenly I realize that the truth of who I am is soul, is spirit, is consciousness, suddenly I realize the truth of who I am is joy. And if I'm not living in it, it's because I've created a block to it. That doesn't mean everything's going to go my way. Spirituality is by no means an inoculation against failure, against poverty, (coughs) against illness, against loss, What it is, is an inoculation against identifying with the one who has lost something, who has failed, the body which is sick. It's an identification with that, which is eternal. And so, yeah, I mean, you look at nature. There's Life and there's death. There's rainy seasons and dry seasons. There are seasons the trees have leaves, seasons the trees don't. (laughs) Seasons of fruit, seasons without fruit. High tides and low tides. Nature has all of that. And spirituality isn't an inoculation against that. It's not start to meditate and there will never be a low tide in your life. Start to meditate, there will never be a dry season in your life. Get enlightened. And your body will never crumble and disintegrate. Nobody you love will ever die. Of course not. And if you doubt that, the scriptures have been given to us specifically and explicitly to make sure we remember that. It's amazing, you look at the the stories given to us in the scriptures. So whether it's the epic of the Mahabharat.
4: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess?
1: Aha,
0: in my dentist's office
1: stories within the entire Srimad Bhagavatam, whether it's the Ramayan, whatever it is, pick any story. And they are all stories of divine beings, whether sages and rishis, enlightened masters, are actually incarnations of the divine on earth. And what do their lives look like? Trouble. From the beginning, problems, problems after problems, violence, jealousy, competition, right? I mean, you just look at the first six, seven years of Lord Krishna's life. Most of us have never had to be gone through anything like that. Most of what most of us have had to face is very mild compared to what he went through Young age. You look at Lord Ram's life. You look at later what happens in the story of the Mahabharata, even with Lord Krishna at the center of it. But the teaching is very deep, which is no matter what happens, we stay living in the light because we understand this is the the cosmic play. And it doesn't mean, interestingly, it's not about being disconnected or apathetic or indifferent. It's about being deeply connected, fully there, fully sincere, engaged in your duty. And Holding the awareness. Holding the awareness. This is just a role. This particular act of this particular drama, here I am before you, 48, female, American-born sannyasi in Rishikesh the character I was given, this particular act of this particular drama, right here, this stage. Each of you has been given a different role, different costume, different lines. And we do them, we do them fully. And in the, in the cosmic drama, like in any good drama, There's laughter, there's tears, there's death, there's birth, there's success, there's failure. There's whole plots of drama. That's why it's called the divine Leela, the divine drama. Not the divine, nothing happens, put me to sleep play. The divine drama full of all the dramatic elements and we play it. But enlightenment is that. So let's go back. Happiness is that in playing my role. Wow, I got a great role. I'm the star of this act. I'm the hero. Everything goes my way. I get the girl. I get the knight in shining armor, whatever I get, I win. Enlightenment is the awareness as I'm playing, as I'm playing my role, that I'm actually the actor and I'm playing it to the very best of my ability, but I'm always aware that I'm actually the one playing the role. And so no matter what happens, I've got a good line, a bad line, a scene where I get the girl, a scene where I don't get the girl, a scene where I get Prince Charming, a scene where I don't get Prince Charming, a scene where I succeed, a scene where I fail. Regardless of what role is given to me, I understand I'm actually the actor. And I also understand that I am called upon to actually be co-creating my own drama here. The stage is set can't change the backdrop, can't redo the lighting or the stage. The stage is sad. But I've been given this ability to co-create my own drama. It's not just about reciting the lines that someone else gave me. It's about in awareness and memory of the actor. What's the truth? of both the actor and the role in this moment. What is the best way to play this role in this moment? It's not about throw off my costume and become naked on stage. Best actors in the world, don't do that. So it's not about that. We're not jumping off the stage. We're not throwing off masks and costumes. We understand I have a role to play. I have a dharma. It's not about getting naked on this stage. It's about playing the role. Simultaneously with the awareness of the full and true nakedness of who I am within. The beautiful, exquisite, complete, divine, Consciousness, naked consciousness of who I am. That in a different act, on a different stage, in a different drama, was over there in your costume and mask. And in a different act and different drama and different stage, was over there in your costume and mask. This particular time, I'm over here in this one. And that's what enlightenment can is living in that full light, knowing that here I am co-creating, co-creating this scene of this drama to the very best of my ability, stepping into my full role, but also simultaneously holding the full awareness that I am one, with not only every other actor, but with this entire set, with the director, with the producer, with the screenwriter, with everyone involved in this drama. And I'm writing it as I'm going along. And my next scene is being written by me right here, right now. And when we touch that place of light that enlightenment is, it enables us to do that. Fully grounded in truth. Fully grounded in light. Fully grounded in just awareness. Consciousness. Ah. Now this costume. All right. The director's having fun with me today. Ah, now this mask, all right. But with that awareness, it's always the same me inside. All right, now I've become the CEO. Okay, casting director's having fun with me. All right, now I lost my job as CEO, now I'm the male, ma'am. All right, casting director's having fun with me again. Ah, now I'm the rich one. Stock market went my way, okay. Ah, stock market has crashed, now I'm the poor one. All right. And how in each scene of this drama do I step into that role, co-creating the full divinity of that scene as well as creating whatever the next scene is going to be. And yeah, of course, happiness comes along as part of the package. But it's only, it's only one of the many flavors.
0: This is OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network.
2: time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to in your busy world how do you improve yourself and keep your life going i'm lisa kay and my between heaven and earth radio show can transform your life just by listening be uplifted with inspiring topics positive stories and ideas that really work between heaven and earth radio is conscious living for your soul every wednesday
4: at 4 p.m eastern time Baldwin with people for the ethical treatment of animals. I grew up loving circuses and other traveling animal shows, but it never occurred to me what life might be like for the animals. Training wild animals to do things they don't understand takes force. Routine discipline with a hook or whip with the heel of a boot shows the animal exactly who's the boss. Don't patronize animal acts. Please contact people for the ethical treatment of animals.
1: 757-622-PETA. Welcome back. This is Sadvi Bhagavati Saraswati with Inspiration and Transformation. On our spiritual path, if we feel like nothing is moving forward or we're slipping back and then we get guilty and upset, is the hard work ruined? Well, Pujaswamiji always says, along with hard work, you need heart work. And... And this is really where it's at, because when you lose motivation, as you say, what you have to ask yourself is, well, what are you motivated for? See, as long as my spiritual practice is something that I should do, you're not going to maintain it for very long. You can only be obedient in the absence of someone watching you for a short period of time. A little bit of our own internal sense keeps us obedient for a little while. But slowly, 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 if it's not something you believe, not something you're committed to, you slip back. the spiritual practice shouldn't be something we do because we should do it. It has to be something we do because in that is what I want. You don't stop eating or stop sleeping or stop doing things that we enjoy because we know In that is something I need. The minute I go without eating for long enough, eventually my stomach is growling. Go even longer, I start to get kind of dizzy, lightheaded, I can't really function. Don't get enough sleep. I feel groggy and cranky and not so well grounded and functional. Go a couple days without any sleep start to be incoherent, Because in my life, I want to be healthy and coherent and efficient and not with a stomach that's screaming and growling and cramping all the time. Not unable to keep my eyes open as I move through the day. So you eat and you sleep and you drink water and you do all the things that we know we need to do. But we also do the things that we want to do. And so any time you find yourself saying there isn't enough time, all that means is I've made a value judgment. Because of course there's time. But what it means is that the things I've already dedicated my time to are more important to me than that. And that's okay. We have to make value judgments. We can't all do everything in a 24-hour period of time. We have to choose. But if my spiritual practice is slipping after some time, what it means is it's not a priority. It doesn't have something in it that I know I need or that I actually want. And what this means is you need to look within and say, well, all right, what do I want in life? So what do you want in life? I'm asking you. To the best of my awareness. Hmm. um, What do you want? Right here, right now. I'm a genie in a bottle. (laughs) Not in a bottle anymore. I've come out of a bottle. What do you want?
2: To have that experience of oneness, which I've heard people talk about, but I do not have that. Okay.
1: If I put. 20,000 rupees behind door number one and the experience of oneness behind door number two, which would you choose? Good. If I put 20 lakhs of rupees behind door number one, which would you choose? Great. If I put being the most famous and beloved celebrity in the world behind door number 1 which would you choose I would think so. hmm? No that's okay nothing wrong with it this is good this is it. We don't get anywhere if we're not honest with ourselves We have to be honest with ourselves So you'd think good okay so now what we know is money isn't such a big pull but some some fame some acclaim some Global popularity, well, that sounds really, really appealing. Is there anyone that doesn't sound appealing to? It's it's a nice, nice idea. Good. Okay, so we could go through lots of different possibilities of things. Until door number two becomes more important to you, It doesn't have to be, interestingly, it doesn't actually have to be the most important thing in your life in order for you to dedicate some time each day to it. We all dedicate some time each day to things that are not necessarily the most important thing in our life. It just has to be more important than whatever else is occupying that 30 minutes or 40 minutes a day. So if, now that we've ascertained money isn't that big of a pull, well, so could you go into the office 45 minutes later? Think about it. Could you go in half an hour later? Could you go in on the same time but get up half an hour later? Come home half an hour earlier so you can get to bed earlier so you can get up earlier? But could you give up whatever salary you make in half an hour, 45 minutes of work to have an easy half an hour, 45 minutes of meditation? You have to think about what is it I want and what is it that's in there for me? So if I know that that experience of oneness is more important to me than money, as you've just told us, then rather than, for example, taking a new job that's going to give me more money and maybe have more potential, but is going to require me to work many more hours a week, is going to require me to travel a lot, spend a lot of time in my car commuting each day, I'm going to have a much more stressed time at home because the hours are going to be much less at home. Well, then you make a decision that says, "Mm, I know it's a good promotion, but actually I'm looking to increase the time I spend meditating, not decrease it, and so I'm going to pass. I'm looking to maybe be able to actually attend a a satsang, an arti, a prayer meet, something maybe every day on my way home from work before I have dinner in the evenings. Which means I need a job that enables me to leave early enough that I can do that on the way home. So think about your life in that way. And make yourself, if you need it, a note that goes on the mirror in your bathroom that asks, for example, have you experienced oneness today? Right? You've just said that's what you want. That's your genie-in-the-bottle wish. I want to have that sense of spiritual oneness. Well, it's yours. If you give it the time, it is already there. You're not separate, it's just about experiencing the truth of who you are, which simply means you need to be quiet enough to get all of that which you are not out of your mind. So you need to make the time, give yourself the practice, the discipline, the opportunities, so if you, if you feel really close to it, sitting in the arati, or you feel really close to it, listening to certain mantras, or you feel really close to it, doing seva and feeding people, for example. Do more of that. Clock in less hours making money and more hours doing things that give you that experience of oneness. And if you find that you slip after some time, well, then give yourself a note. Remind yourself what is important to you. You can just give yourself a little note that says door number two. Whatever it is that reminds you of the choice that you are making. Because that's the power that we've all been given in this life is to choose what is it that matters to us. What is it we want? There's no right answer to that. We all have the, the freedom to decide for ourselves. But if what we want is something on the spiritual plane, then we have to put in the time. If you had said that your highest goal was to make a lot of money, I'd say, well, you better get out of here and get working. We have to take steps toward giving us that which we want. If you said your highest goal was to be an Olympic swimmer, I'd say, get out of here, get yourself training. Start swimming some laps. But if your highest goal is to experience spiritual oneness, to experience divinity, to experience truth, Well, then that's what you better start walking toward. And if you find you slip every couple months, book your tickets to come back here 60 days from now, book them in advance, the non-refundable kind, right? And if I know that that's my pattern, beforehand, in advance, while I'm there, plan, all right, I typically can go about two months on a good stretch, and then I start to backslide, all right, so 60 days from now, can I book a ticket in advance to come, no, that Monday or that Friday, I'm going to take off, then I have a long weekend, three days, I'm going to go. Don't wait till you've slipped, because the minute you slip, once you slip, then the mind gets even worse. Oh, those things don't matter. There's a good movie out. I'll go there instead. And then it takes a while to bring yourself back. So make plans in advance for, all right, what's going to happen before I slip? How to keep myself anchored and grounded. Pooja Swamiji always says, failing to plan is planning to fail. So if I know where my challenges are, it's not weak to give myself tools to ensure that I don't fall in the face of those challenges. It's strong. It's courageous to admit, yeah, I know these are my, these are my weak points. Okay, how can I strengthen them? So he'll take your booking for 60 days from now when you you walk out of here. This brings to a close this hour of inspiration and transformation. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be together with you all each week. And I look forward to being together again next Thursday, Same time on Ohm Times Radio.
0: Plus